If you do any prospecting with LinkedIn, you have got to go get set up with Surf. That's S-U-R-F-E. It's a tool you can use to add new contacts to your CRM system directly from LinkedIn in seconds. I'm using it every single day. I add contacts, follow my deals, keep track of notes, and it ends up saving me a bunch of time on prospecting and outreach, which means I can spend more time moving my deals along. The data is always 100% accurate since I don't have to copy and paste all the fields over from each and every contact that I want to put in my CRM. Instead, Surf does that all automatically with just one click in about 60 seconds. The team over at Surf has put together a very special offer for fans of sales players. There's a link down in the show notes and you can use the promo code JWSURF5. Don't forget the E at the end of Surf. That's JWSURF5 for 5% off your first year. Don't spend another minute doing things manually. Go get set up with Surf. My guest on the show today is Amanda Jones. Amanda is an enterprise, excuse me, a strategic account executive at Chorus AI. She brings a wealth of knowledge in the SaaS space. Uh, she's worked at some fantastic companies like Outreach, Full Story, and, and now Chorus AI as a strategic and enterprise level account executive. What's great is Amanda and I, and I refer to her as Mandy because I've known her for so long, met uh, about eight years ago. So uh, she was one of the first connections that I made in the software business. We were counterparts at a company called Volusion that we'll talk about in the episode. And then we actually worked together for, I want to say it was about five years. We followed each other to the next company and worked closely there. Uh, and so we've we've got this uh, you know great history, and we've known each other for so long. A couple things to highlight about the episode: Mandy is fantastic at walking through some of the qualities and attributes uh, of a successful seller. She's also got now a wealth of experience in how to improve your ramp time if you're starting out in a new role. And that's the topic of today's episode. Uh, we focus a lot on a recent blog post that came out that features Amanda uh, that walks through how she was able to ramp 80% faster than her peers using this conversation intelligence uh, that, that is done by Chorus and Gong and some of these other products in the market. Uh, they help you record your calls. You can listen to recordings of your peers' calls. You can uh, gather actual analytics and insights into different verbal fillers and some things like that. And you can understand keywords and buzzwords and really hone in on the pain points uh, that your customer has. So without further ado, welcome Amanda Jones to the show. So I've known Mandy for almost 10 years and really you're the first, really like the first professional connection and colleague that I had in software because like within days of me moving to Austin, we were desk mates at Volusion. So That's we've known right. each other for a really long time and I really admire, you know, some of the stuff you've done in your career, especially some of the like most recent unicorn companies that you've been at. Uh, in, you know, enterprise and strategic selling roles. So I'm super excited. And that's why when I thought of like, who's going to be my first guest on the podcast, you instantly came to mind. I was like, oh, well, my first friend in the SaaS business was Mandy. So it's fitting that I have you as the first uh, guest here on the show. So welcome. And uh, thanks for being guest number one. Thanks, Jesse. I'm so excited you're doing this. Really excited to dive in and see how we can help other sales reps. Yeah. So first I wanted to ask you to just share a little bit about your career progression. So, and I'll also preface by saying 
we're, we're kind of cut from the same cloth. Like we didn't start out in, you know, an enterprise selling role or something like that. We didn't even start out as, as enterprise BDRs or, or sort of the more common paths. Now we kind of grinded it out in SMB sales. And I hate to use the word boiler room, but that's the reality of it is we, we both started in the God, boiler yes. room. So <laughs> Oh Lord. Tell me how you got started and then, you know, share any awesome, you know, kind of awesomeness about how you sort of leveled up each time you changed roles and how you made it from boiler room to boardroom, if you will, because now you're probably pitching to, you know, VP and C-level execs. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I actually, to your point, I didn't start in the software sales world. And to be honest, I wish someone in my college uh, career told me about it because I never was introduced until I worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Uh, so everyone was always impressed when I say, oh, I started Enterprise Rent-A-Car. It's like, we'll pick you up in the great management training program. And I think even like, what was that movie, uh, Step Brothers, where they like mentioned yes. like, I'm going to go work for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Uh, so, but I had an amazing mentor there. I'll be sending this podcast because I'm going to give him a shout out. Uh, Jeremy Batt, he actually really got me excited about sales. And because of my time at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, I met my friend Michelle and her husband was a software engineer at Blackbaud. And Blackbaud's a, a huge company headquarters in Charleston, South Carolina, 3,000 employees. It's nonprofit software. And I just was not having the best time at Enterprise. I just knew that I wanted to get into software sales and do something different. And also, um, hi, get out of, uh, I'm sorry, my little headset came out. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted to get out of the, the car rental space and uh, actually go make some real money. And <laughs> so to be honest, like, I mean, when you're in a price rent a car, like, I mean, it's no joke. You start at like 35 K a year and, and, you know, to a college student, that was like a bit of money. And so I interviewed at Blackbot and, oh my gosh, it was such a grilling interview process. And I remember thinking, this is it. I want to be in software sales. And it was for an ADR, which is the same as a BDR and SDR, where I was going to do cold calls and emails. And that's how I got my start in the world in software. And so I advise anybody who is in sales, like software space is where it's at. And so that's where I started my career and I moved up to an AE role there. And I wanted to be in a much more populated space. Um, that's how I got to Texas and Austin, uh, much like how uh, Jesse, you and your wife saw the same vision as well when you came from yeah. Arizona. I know you're back in Arizona now, but um, yeah. I just wanted something more exciting. And that's how I came to Austin. And that's Jesse, that's where you and I met at good old Volusion. <laughs> totally. And so. I, I've probably shared this before too. So I was in Phoenix right out of school, very similar. Like I was selling media and I remember being at work one day and I Googled highest paying sales professions and <laughs> smart. enterprise software came up and I was like, Whoa, that that's a lot more than what the guys that I'm working with are making. And well, it was, so software was like the second place one behind pharmaceutical sales. And I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't interested in doing pharmaceutical sales. Didn't really have like the, you know, background for it or anything like that. So I kind of landed in the space the same way. And then after that, I just Googled like best cities to start a career in SaaS and a family friend had recommended Austin and it and just everything kind of lined up and that's how the, the Volusion opportunity came about. But it's, you know, it's so cool 
to have then gone from selling small businesses up the chain to, you know, now selling to larger enterprises. So what kind of things would you say you've done that have given you an advantage in, you know, each move you've made throughout your career? Cause now you're in a pretty awesome role at an awesome company. How, you know, what was that progression like? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's so important when you're in your career, get a really good network behind you. And, you know, at, at Volusion, like, yeah, I mean, there's no joke. Like, if you look at the Glassdoor reviews and you know we experience it, it is a boiler room. Um, no offense, Jay Montwani, you were, you were great. Uh, but, like, it's, but it taught me a lot, right? It taught me, you know, how to have those quick conversations, do those quick close. And I learned a lot from Chris and, jo and Jay that were on my team. And I think that that's really important as you're moving your way up in your career to have those people in your corner and learn from the best. Like, I would listen to obviously Chris was the top uh, rep on my team and just listened to him. I was sitting right next to him. Uh, so I could like learn um, from the best. And, you know, I, I think that that would be like my biggest advice to anybody, like as you're moving your way up, um, you know, we're lucky here in Austin, Texas, it's a huge startup scene. And, you know, obviously Jesse, you and I followed each other, like basically yeah. <laughs> people look at that and they're like, are they siblings? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> like, why are they <laughs> following each other from company to company? But I mean, we pretty much worked at Volusion together. Then we went to Spiceworks together. Then we went to SmartHQ together. And then yep. that's when we split ways when you went to Medallia. And then I um, headed over to Outreach. And, you know, I think you probably witnessed it too as well. Like we mentored each other a, a lot and, um, you know, I always wanted to learn how to get better. Um, I noticed too in my industry that there's a lot of uh, sales reps that might have a little bit more of an ego uh, that mm. don't, you know, think like, oh, I got this. I've been doing sales for 15 years. I'm good. Don't worry. But, you know, I think you should always want to do better and learn from the best. I mean, I've been fortunate enough, especially at Outreach and at Chorus, to be reporting to some of the best managers I've ever reported to who have tons of years of sales experience, you know, know how to mm -hmm. teach me. I learned how to negotiate better yesterday. I mean, there's just little things that they teach you that, you know, that's, that's how you become a great rep and, and that's mm -hmm. where the big money comes into play. Um, so I think yeah, having those people in your corner are, are key. And you're running them, Jesse. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That's uh, always an interesting skill set for me. And one of the things that, you know, when I have been in a role where I've hired other sellers was you can't downplay curiosity as, a, mm -hmm. as, a, as an attribute or as a quality in a candidate, especially in sales. If you're not curious about how someone's business runs, if you're not curious about how you can solve problems or, you know, what's possible, then you're probably not going to see succeed in the long run in, you know, enterprise selling. You have to be mm -hmm. really curious from the start to finish, like from prospecting, you got to be curious about who owns what within a large organization. And then you got to take that curiosity and drive it through the entire sales cycle and be curious about what it would take to do this and who would be involved if that and what kind of customizations might make sense for, you know, a successful deployment. You cannot downplay the skill set of, of curiosity. And I don't even know if it's considered a skill set or if it's just a quality. Um, it but I think be. when I, it, <laughs> I it really like should be a critical one to have, especially in strategic sales. Yeah, it, it really is super important. And I think, you know, the three skills that I always think of as being those that set most of the reps that I've worked with that were elite apart was curiosity, passion, and then a little bit of competitiveness, but not overly competitive. So really that's it. If you can bring those three things to the table, 
and be genuinely curious, not just, you know, curious at the surface level, but genuinely curious about your prospects day to day, what makes them make decisions, you know, what drives results for them, what makes them go home at night and feel accomplished. Those are the things that I've found for, you know, the top reps that I've worked alongside. And then when I've been in, you know, good performance grooves, that's usually what it comes down to is like, I'm genuinely curious about the prospect and I genuinely care about solving their problems versus just, you know, I'm trying to make a buck or trying to close a deal. So I hit my number. And I think that that's a really important characteristic to have. And I feel like that that's why personally, especially in the last few years, I've had a lot of success and closed some of the bigger deals in my career. It's because I just, it's my personality. I generally care. Like I, yeah. I care about the fact that, especially with my champions and evaluators, like, you know, I'm lucky enough to be working for such a great, powerful solution like Chorus. I mean, conversations intelligence is one of the most heavily invested industry right now. It, it's, mm -hmm. I mean, gone and us just got a bunch of investments and then Salesforce just released their own. And so we're really like solving some big, big problems with conversation intelligence. And that's why it gets me really excited because when I'm talking to other sales teams, it's, it's fun to talk to them. We're talking, mm -hmm. I'm learning more about them. And I've seen people who've used my solutions like at outreach get promoted because of it. And I think that that's like what I strive for like gets me excited is really helping that prospect and really like you're saying like being curious and understanding about their business because at the end of the day I genuinely I do care and I feel like that that is sometimes a missing piece from other sales reps where I'm talking more about like the ego they don't want to learn is they don't really dig deep down to the problem like why are we having this conversation and if a new rep is listening to this podcast you know a, a thing that I learned from previous bosses and my being coached myself is always ask the why there's there's this guy that was uh, just promoted as a manager here at course this man is phenomenal he's so good at asking the why like why are you trying to have more productivity like yeah. i had that conversation today with one of my prospects like he said hey productivity is our number one thing it's you know it's when i get to have those conversations obviously didn't make sense to like start diving in right now because it's not till next year but we want to ask why, why is productivity important to you? You know, why, why, why? And allow the customer to continue to tell you the reasons, but that's where you, you get more curious. And then you want to know, because mm. for me, when I look at a solution that I, you know, or solutions that I've sold, like with outreach and then with like course, being able to actually show the value is, I mean, you, if you don't understand the problems first yeah. and like what you're trying to solve, like you're never going to be able to really show the power of your solution because I'm obviously super passionate about mm -hmm. what I sell. That's why I waited. I was laid off because of COVID. I waited four months for this role. I yeah. actually sat back, did some side hustling and mm -hmm. waited for the role to open because I knew that this was going to be my job. And um, I'm just really already enjoying the people I'm talking to right now in my pipeline. Like just, it's, it's been fun. Like I'm having, honestly, my, my husband's like, you're happier. <laughs> you're smiling. Yeah. I'm like, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying like learning how they're doing their enablement. And like, it's just, it's interesting. Um, and I think that it's going to get even more interesting because the space and software, especially it's growing. There's tons of cool AI stuff out there now. And mm -hmm. Um, it's been crazy since if you think about Jesse, the first day that you and I started when we started our careers at Volusion yeah. till now, like what a change, right? Like it's, it, it really has like it's the, crazy. Just everything from the way that 
you prospect to the intelligence you have in front of you to just sort of the, the modus operandi of doing things is just, it's, it's evolved in a good way, I think too. Uh, and you're probably oh, seeing yeah. this a lot, which is it's sales now in 2020 is less about sort of coercing or, or pushing someone to, to do a deal. And not that it was ever, software was never too far down that road of being, you know, used car salesperson. Uh, but it's less and less now. It's really more about generating demand, generating interest, using content to drive. And I don't know what the stat is, but they say that uh, like most prospects, most buyers these days have already done, you know, 80% of the research before Mm -hmm. they even land in your inbound lead queue. And I kind of like that because then you're just sort of navigating them down or you're taking them down a path towards procurement and it's not Hey, I have to really sell too hard. It's you know pointing out differentiators, and of course, it's still selling, uh, but it's a lot easier than having to sort of push a boulder up a hill, which is what we started mm-hmm. out with. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to ask you about. You mentioned earlier that you improved your negotiation skills just mm-hmm. like within this week. Tell tell us about that. Yeah. So um, one thing that my boss at Chorus, I actually worked with him. I didn't report directly with him at Outreach, but he was my counterpart. And he's the main reason, actually, I, well, one of the main reasons I came to Chorus. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's great about him is he just comes with a wealth of knowledge. He does a lot of reading and he just taught us like different ways to negotiate. It's, he talked about using le- levers and not always like giving away all of the, I don't know what the analogy is, like all the pie at once. Like you just do like right. a little bit. Um, so I think one thing, if I were like a new rep, because I think of everything I learned today, right? And I go back to like the younger me, like in the industry, I wish I read a lot more books like my boss Mm -hmm. was doing, because I feel like I would have learned all this such early on, and it probably would have helped a lot of my deals early on. Um, But just one thing I would recommend people, if you start a job and you're, you know, you're doing a full, this is for full um, cycle sellers. Mm find out what your levers are in the company, go talk to your CRO, be like, okay, what's everything that I can offer and put those out there, just a couple at at first. And then knowing that you have three or four in your back pocket um, is a way that people have talked about like negotiation, but also, you know, it's a partnership and you never want to just say like, here's a discount. Like there should also be something from your customers end to give you. And I think that a lot of people don't think about that. Like, okay, here's a discount because this is what you asked, but it's like, Hey, this is like a partnership. We need to have both ways, you know? Yeah. So like in that case, you know, for us sellers, usually it's, you know, software space, a case study. Mm-hmm. Let me put your logo on my, my business, if that's okay. Um, so I just really enjoy that type of training. Um, my boss is just really good at, Obviously, he's using Chorus a lot, right? Because we do mm-hmm. the proactive alerts for him, and um, he knows where he needs to support. He has a team of, I believe, there's eight of us, um, and I really like how he listens to certain calls, and then he knows, like, okay, my team is maybe lacking a little bit here. I'm going to give them a quick training on here, and we just hired a new sales enablement lady. She's phenomenal. And it's nice to have her on those calls, which again is another thing I would recommend, especially to startups, have your enablement person be on these, you know, your team calls. Mm -hmm. And because I had an ask for her and it was nice because like I could ask her right there, like, hey, look, like I need more pipeline. 
and I want, you know, better prospecting messaging. Right. And then she's proofreading what I, what I wrote in outreach. So I think that that is like really beneficial, but I know that that kind of went a little off topic, but no, it's I'm all just kind of like thinking all these tips and I'm like, <laughs> my gosh, if I'm a newbie, you know, I'm thinking of my friend that's uh, a technical girl that's going into software sales, did pharmaceutical yeah. sales for a little bit. Oh, I'm just thinking of like, I've been coaching her, right? And like telling her I would do this, this, and this, like all these, I'm just overloading her with information. Of course, she's such a good sponge. Like she's taking it all in, doing phenomenal with it, but she's going to start as an SDR because she knows like that's the best path to get in yeah. the software world. So I just been teaching her pretty much like as I go, like, Hey, I'm having this deal and this deal. Like I would totally recommend when you get to that space, like when you're a full cycle, like do these things, get in these habits. It's interesting because I have a surprising number of just random people reach out to me on LinkedIn. I, I don't have oh, any really? connection to them. Uh, I don't know if it's because I was at Medallia for a while and was in yeah. like, the hiring seat or I, I'm not quite sure why, uh, but I have quite a few people just randomly reach out to me and ask for advice. They're you know typically early in their careers. They're starting out their first in their first BDR role or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, it's I'm always you know, appreciative. I wish, I wish that we would have had channels like that, I guess, early on to reach out oh, to others. Been wonderful. And yeah. Not that LinkedIn didn't exist back then. It just wasn't as utilized and people weren't as public and forthcoming on, on LinkedIn and people weren't as available on LinkedIn. It was just still very much like a job search tool, uh, mm -hmm. back in those days. So it's always interesting and I'm always happy to help too. So, uh, it's been, Same. you know, just interesting hearing what people are concerned about. My biggest advice for a lot of them is, and this is also for counterparts of mine that are earlier on in their careers. It's just got to stay the course, just keep going. Uh, and this is advice that I got from, you know, others that we worked closely with that were further along in their careers is like, you just, if you just keep at it and don't give up, you're going to eventually hit one of those really big paydays. It's going to be a massive deal. You're going to get that role that you've always wanted at the company you've always wanted to work at. Um, or you're just going to get that great opportunity that offers the lifestyle and the, you know, salary and things like that, that you've been looking for. So, and that's, that's really come to pass. I've been surprised. Cause I think early on, it's easy to look ahead and say like, how am I ever going to close a six figure deal? Right. Or how am I ever going to close a seven figure deal? How am I ever going to do this? How am I ever going to do that? And if you just stay the course, invest in yourself, you're, you know, show up every day and be curious and try to find solutions to problems. Uh, you're going to eventually get there. It's, it's just sort of a, it's a repetition thing. So. And not be afraid to ask for help. You know, you have to know because we all have a little ego and put it aside and go ask for help as well. Like, cause that's really, really critical. And yeah, like, that's what you and I did. You and I like really stayed the course. And it's, I, I think of it like you have to focus on day to day. As long as I'm putting 110% into my day, it's a successful day. I mean, yeah. there's so many things, like, especially when you get to the strategic sale, like there's so many ways, like the two big deals I'm working right now that can go sideways, but it's more about at the end of the day, have I presented to my prospect the solutions to their problems to your point. And I know that I've, I feel like I have done a great job with that because I also pulse check with them. Like, is this what you're thinking? You know, am I on the right course? And, you know, constantly like doing, I do like little uh, micro meetings. And so instead okay. of, you know, like say for example, um, there was like an ask of three 
things that they wanted to go over was mm -hmm. split it into two meetings. Because here's the thing, what happens is I know, especially in the strategic sales, you're going so fast in this half an hour meeting and then you don't get to it. Mm -hmm. And then people have attention span. They're not going to get in all that right information. So it's, if you have a very robust agenda, like that's my recommendation too, is it's okay to split it in a couple of meetings and, and, and own that and have that control yeah. of like, look, this is what I would recommend. And obviously like you want to work with their schedule and if they're, you know, wanting to close soon, like obviously speed it up, but um, just stay like, that's what I mean by like doing those things. You're like, like, see how I'm still staying the course. It's like, stay the course, work your hardest, solve the problems, ask for help. I've aligned everybody on my side with my deals and you will have success. And like my, my boss actually said this to me recently, it's okay if you lose. Yeah. Like, I think that we worry about that, right? Because you and I mm -hmm. are, are overachievers. We've always been that way since our days yep. at Volusion. We are overachievers. And it's tough for someone like me who's been this way since I was a little girl. Like, you know, even when I was selling Girl Scout cookies, I would just <laughs> be like, be I'm going to be the top one. <laughs> like, <laughs> you got to make that money. So, yeah. yeah it, it's okay to fail. And like, I'm learning that too. Like, even though I don't want to, um, but I think it's just more like, I just know my solution's amazing. And like, I just know it's, and especially when I know it's really going to help and get them promoted and make them be excited. Like I get very passionate about, it. I'm like, I just know this is a fit. Like yeah. it's, it's, I'm yeah, perfect fit. I, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm a big evangelist of the product that I'm selling right now. Shout out to quick, quick messaging. Uh, <laughs> I, I just love it. And I love the prospects that I work with and I'm genuinely so what's, what's really great is I'm in a role where it's, it's a very heavy relationship sale. There's a lot of other vendors in the marketplace. It's, you know, now known to be a pretty standard, you know, need. And there's kind of a line item now in, in companies' budgets for digital messaging. Uh, and so it's been fun to start to build champions. Something that I hadn't really mastered before, and I'm, I, I say mastery, but I'm, I still have a lot to learn about, about building champions. But a skill set that I've really developed just in the last year was really becoming almost like friends with your prospects uh, to the point where I, I know a lot about my prospects. They know a lot about me. We have a really good, you know, open lines of communication type relationship where I can pick up the cell phone and call. And one of the ways that I started doing that, this is a big, uh, you know, this, this should help a lot of people out there. Uh, a really great trick that was recommended to me is when you do a big demo, especially with a large group of execs and decision makers, for your main contact, you should set up a pre-call uh, ahead of that demo and come up with like a demo flow and an agenda and ensure that you're hitting on all the things that the group wants to see. And maybe you can't hit on all of them, but maybe you can hit on the top three or the top five. So do a pre-call with your contact, then do the demo with all the stakeholders and the decision makers. But before you even do that demo, schedule a post-call, like a post-mortem or a debrief with that same contact. So you've got like a 15 minute pre-call, you've got maybe an hour long demo, and then you do a post call with your, your main contact and ask for feedback. And what it does is it really makes you sort of vulnerable as a seller and the contacts really willing to, you know, for the most part, I've found that my contacts are, are willing to give it to me straight. And we've built, I've built that rapport and that trust with them that they're willing to say like, Hey, this part of the demo wasn't really interesting. We went way off course on a feature or a function that didn't matter. Uh, and it's really helpful and it helps me get even better at the pre-call. So, you know, for the next deal cycle that I'm in, it's like, all right, let's really dig into what they want to see during the demo. Uh, and then the post-call, and I think prospects appreciate it too. 
because you, you know, yes, it's a lot of calls. And I know there's a lot of folks in the industry that might say, geez, you're wasting that contact's time. You're taking like hours of their time to do this. And my thought process on it is no, I'm trying to make them look really good. They're bringing a bunch mm-hmm. of stakeholders into the room. Uh, I want them to, you know, look like they, you know, ran this, they managed this. They told the sales rep that they wanted to see this and they were clear about what their goals and objectives were. Uh, and so it's, I've found it to be really helpful in sort of breaking down that barrier that sometimes exists between a contact and a rep and really building that relationship in a way that you have this trust and kind of open lines of communication. It just makes doing deals so much easier because then when the time comes to get order forms signed or to get, you know, legal paperwork signed or whatever it is, it's sometimes just a text message away or a quick phone call away versus pushing a boulder up a hill. Once again, having to, you know, then work on developing the relationship now that you have something, you know, some skin in the game or or a contract out there on the street. Right. So that's one of the big things that I've found has been really helpful in some of my last couple of deal cycles was doing that exercise of prep, meeting and then a post call, uh, for, for feedback after a demo, it really, really helps. So try it out. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I, I've gotten into a similar habit, um, especially when you, that's like the perfect advice for when you have a demo with a lot of people. And to your point, like people, people are like, might say like, Oh, that's too many meetings. Yeah. If you're a solution, this is how I think if you're a solution that they know in their heart, like this is going to solve my problems. It's going to help me with my job. It's going to make me look good. They're going to take those meetings, right? Like I would take a meeting with someone if I'm like, no, this is actually like a solution that I know will really help my work or help, you know, in our case, like help my, if I'm talking to enablement, it's going to help my leadership and management. And, you know, they'll be willing to take those deals. Um, one thing that another thing that my boss said that always like resonates is people will always appreciate if you do your research. Mm-hmm. Are they on podcasts? Like what are they doing on LinkedIn? Like people appreciate when you're doing that research. Now I'm in a different type of industry than you because you are, you know, at this time you're, you're focused on retailers or me, I mm-hmm. focus on sales teams. A lot of my sales um, prospects, you know, they are on podcasts. They have a lot of information on their brand. And what's great about that is some of them are talking about how they do their day to day. And guess what? When I get in a discovery call with them, I'm like, you just shaved off 15 minutes of conversation, but you've got to do your research. And that's the thing is like, when I hear those though, I'm able to even digest and get in their head to understand what they care about. And then we can use that 30 minutes together instead of saying like, how many people are on your sales team? Like, and all that, you know, typical discovery questions. Mm-hmm. And dive into like, why are we here? Like, what are the big initiatives? Um, so doing your research to like, just really harp on that is really critical for any yep. role, even as an SDR, like being able to write a quick personalized message. Um, but I love that idea, Jesse. Like, I think, you know, I, I do do regroups with my champion. Cool. Like I'm going to have a bigger demo coming up soon. And I, I, don't even have those on the calendar. And I'm thinking, well, shoot, I should, <laughs> I need to like go figure out, you know, like what they want to like talk about and stuff like ahead of time. Cause I, I mean, I got some of it on our last call. Thank you course for allowing me to go back and listen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I think that's great advice. Yeah. On, on that topic. So you had a, a blog piece come out that featured, uh, you know, some information about your onboarding. I wanted to talk about that. So just for, for the listeners, 
uh, Chorus put out a piece called Go From Onboarding to Your First Sale, First Sale in 24 Days. And it features uh, Mandy, Amanda, in the article. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that. It looks like you, so I've, I've skimmed the article a little bit beforehand and saw that you ramped 80% faster uh, mm-hmm. by using conversational intelligence. Uh, and you had a deal close in under a month, which is pretty impressive. I don't think I've ever closed a deal in less than 30 days, unless you're talking about Volusion when it was like a $100 deal or something. Yeah, which definitely uh, was not the case here. <laughs> yeah. Are you able to share what the deal size was or maybe ballpark if you don't want to get too specific? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, no matter what with, um, you know, pricing and all that, I believe our, our deals, what I see here, and then they go mm-hmm. up from there. Um, you know, just cause we have like a minimum at chorus, but, um, but like for me, how I was able to ramp very, very fast was obviously using conversation intelligence. And my thing is if you're a sales rep, especially most of us are remote. Cause I only know a few, very few, very few, few States and very few offices have people mm-hmm. going back. Yeah. And even so they're doing a hybrid model, right? So how can you be successful with remote employees? And again, this is like why I'm really excited about this space because I've, I've always been passionate about being remote. I've been remote for three to four years now in my career and I have a nice office space. Like I'm really productive with it, but to others, it didn't come as easy. And so that's where I think making sure you power your sales teams with the right tools use a sales engagement platform like Outreach or Sales Law and use a solution like Chorus for conversation intelligence. Because without it, I would be that weird person that hops on every call like shadowing. And that's if the prospect shows up, right? Like, I don't know how many times I used to do that where I would just show up with the rep and I'm just that awkward newbie on the call, (laughs) just muting myself, just see the word Amanda and you're like, what is this person? Uh, so I, I, I hate being in that seat, but yeah, ugh, it's usually it's how worst. it is when you're new is like this awkward fly on the wall. I hate that. Yep. And you're like, hi, and then you don't know how to say hi or introduce, or if the rep's like, I'm not going to even introduce or react like it's my note taker or my admin assistant yep. <laughs> or like a new SC or something. But, um, I listened to calls from two top reps, um, a female and male that are, are on our team. And these reps had both amazing uh, strategies. Uh, one, uh, she is phenomenal at controlling the conversation, um, setting the agenda and really harping on like their needs and, and how it relates to chorus. And, and she's obviously had tons of success here. And then the, uh, the male rep I listened to, I like him in terms, I use him as an example. He just got promoted. He's so good at open-ended questions, really diving into the why I learned so much about the, from him, from his calls that I was like, I just like this guy. So I would, if you think about me, Jesse, cause you know me for many years, you can probably conclude she's definitely a mix of those two people. Cause I'm very organized, very good sending agenda and like focusing on the needs. And then I do ask, you know, open-ended questions. I think I can do better. So, yeah. um, but I, I ramped fast by listening to a bunch of calls from those reps. I'm building my own ramp playlist so I can reference back um, which I have a couple times was really powerful. I am able to digest previous calls really fast because I, you know, put it on high speed and then I write notes <clears throat> because the BDR, you know, would take the call and then I could figure out exactly like, okay, what was this customer really focused on? And then I was able to then do a tailored demo based on just a couple of things. And then I hard close the prospect at the end. Um, wow. But it was, I think without conversation intelligence, that conversation would have gone completely differently. I don't know if there might, I mean, maybe 
you know, like it was inbound. So you, to your point, 80% mm -hmm. there, right? right? And maybe in his case, maybe he was 95% there. But the point is, it helped me have deeper insight. And then it went, it allowed me to be very organized. So the next call I have with the prospect goes back to the way I like to sell, which is very focused, very, if you want to talk about two things, we just talk about two things. There's no reason for me to give you a lot of noise or, or talk about a lot of different things is focus on those two things. Yeah. That's a good policy a reason. Yeah. Always, like people think about that, like find out what their top initiatives are and only talk to how your solution solves that. Because again, you're not, you're only can take in so much information, right? And pay attention for so right. long. So that would be another key takeaway. If I were like a new rep, I would totally take that advice. Yeah. Because <laughs> it would just make your life a lot easier too. So I want to confirm a couple of things. So this, this inbound came in inside of that 24 days or was it someone that was already in the pipeline or someone that had already come into the queue and then you sort it of came took inbound while I was here. Yeah. So my oh, BD, wow. we always have our BDRs evaluate. So he came inbound. So we have to predict that 80% there, right? Talk right. to my BDR. His name is actually Jesse. So good name. Great name. And then, <laughs> and then from there, he set up an, a meeting with me and I did more of a deep dive demo. But um, and with his initiatives, he was very data driven very successful CEO, mm -hmm. um, had a very, like, actually really neat use case that I was cool. very intrigued by. And um, it allowed for a very fun conversation, but very focused. And I showed him just a couple things in course. And he was, he knew that we we're the leader in the space where our product is going. Um, you know, that's why we had a big investment this year. And um, so it was very, very it was a very fun deal cycle and very, yeah. very fun prospect who's now a, a happy customer. Um, that is awesome. How no, I did I mean, it. <laughs> and was it legit a, like a record for chorus reps? Was, has there anybody was. that's done that? Yeah. I, I was, I was say, told I don't think it was a record. Most companies I've been at, I don't think I've ever seen anybody close a deal in under a month. N not when they're new. I mean, yeah, yeah not when they're ramping. I mean, I know there was, there might've been someone at outreach maybe, but yeah. even then I'm like, no, I think that that one was still over a month. So, um, I mean, yeah, we could always sit here and say, oh, right place, right time, you know, and maybe there's, yeah, you know, I, I call those like more in the world, by the way, people, when they like say things like that, like, I don't know, would you call it just say like the haters in the world? Like, oh, the haters, place, right yeah. time. it's like, no, I was very the focused on those initiatives. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, like, yeah. and by the way, don't let anybody like say like, oh, well, she just got lucky. Um, you know, don't let when people say that, like it, it's yeah. Okay. Some of this is luck. Right. But at the same time, it wasn't luck that I built a great relationship. Like that's just how I am. And it wasn't luck that I knew that their what their initiative was. And I focused on that to solve their problems to why he wanted to invest in a solution like course. Um, and same yeah. outreach too. There was a lot of like, you know, reps would be like, oh, well, they hated sales law. So that's why they came to outreach. No, he did an amazing sales cycle. He was very, like, I listened to the calls. Mm -hmm. We use course over there. And I'm like, he was doing a really phenomenal job. Like, I mean, we can sit here and say that all day, but. Yeah, um, it's, it's funny. I'm a big believer in luck. I really am. But I also think you can make your own luck. And yeah. if you're putting in the effort, you end up getting luckier just because mm -hmm. you have more at-bats, you get more chances to get lucky. So I, yeah, I always just ignore 
the detractors that I've worked with who are like, oh, well, yeah, you got that one in, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, whatever they say. Yeah. I'm, they I'm were sold a, on your company last year yeah. and then they came back. And I'm just like, no, I think everybody, especially in my company, I work with some phenomenal, every one of them, every single one of them is a phenomenal rep. And I, I've never had that mindset like, oh, it's luck, yeah. like why they got that big deal. I mean, I have reps on my team that are working till 1 a.m. sometimes. I mean, they are really working their butts off and we're all here for the same mission. Like we really want to be the leader in the space and continue to be the leader in the space. And um, I, I get excited seeing yeah. the hard work. I'm like, it's very, yeah. it's very um, exciting and motivating, right? Because I, you know, I work just as hard. Um, so what if so if you had to give advice to someone who's starting in a brand new selling role whether they're you know boiler room or uh enterprise regional director for a top unicorn SaaS company what would be one piece of advice you'd give them to ramp a little bit faster maybe they can't close a deal in 24 days like you did but is there something some one piece of advice you could give them that would help them maybe ramp a little faster than they would otherwise what Definitely think it like not to be biased because I'm selling it, but you can see why I went to it. I think having a tool that's conversation intelligence and being able to listen to calls is going to be like, I think that that's what solves that. Like that's how you yeah. run faster because you can, your reps that already are tenured, they're busy, they're closing deals. They might not have time to tell you like all the ins and outs of the business, but I would definitely recommend, you know, listening to calls or if there's just recordings, maybe they have it on their zoom or WebEx that they just saved in a pile. And listen to what your top reps are saying to customers and listen to what customers are asking and yeah. go learn more about that. There's many times I will listen to calls. I have an amazing SE. He's great. And it's nice because it, again, I told you people work very late because we're so busy. I told you the yeah. space is like, <laughs> um, so I love when I have questions at 11 o'clock at night, right? He's there. So I slack him yeah. like, Hey, I was listening to a call with Devin. Uh, this customer had this question, like I heard it a couple times though, throughout a couple of calls, like, why did, you know, what, can you help like me understand like where this question's coming from so I can continue to educate myself? So yeah, we I would recommend have, that. We don't have chorus in place where I'm at. I know we've talked about it and looked at it and I believe we're, I don't know if it's an active cycle right now. Um, I won't <laughs> assume, but I know we've looked at it tell. in the past. It, it, it's definitely something we want. Uh, I don't, I don't think we don't have it for lack of wanting it, but what I do right now is I still record almost every single call that I'm on with a prospect on, on zoom That's just to have a record, sure. especially mm -hmm. for the more strategic deals I'm in where, and especially the ones where you have a lot of stakeholders, because one thing that I always want to pick up on too, is if you've got three or four people or 30 people, it doesn't really matter. If you have multiple people evaluating a piece of technology, you want to make sure that you can find the thing that is going to help drive it on. What's the motivator for each one of those personas. Right. And like, for example, I'm doing a, I'm, I'm in the middle of a deal cycle right now with a, you know, really large home services company and hmm. they've got, you know, like a, a member of the marketing team, a member of the customer experience team, and then a head of the product team and then the CTO uh, as well as like some procurement folks as well on the call. So it's really interesting to try to like, when you go back and listen to recordings of calls say, all right, I think I know what the driver is for the product team. And now when I'm on calls with product leadership, I can sort of tailor my presentation, my conversation towards the product outcomes 
versus when I get on the phone with, uh, you know, the leader of marketing or CX, those are, they may have different drivers that are, are pushing them to make the decision. So now I can customize my presentation based on that when I have follow-up conversations, or I can, you know, do a whole sort of smorgasbord and cover all things and break them out in a way that everyone's like, cool, this seems like something that's going to ultimately benefit what I'm trying to do here. So, uh, yeah, it's always, it, it's super helpful to record calls. I know chorus obviously takes it way deeper than just recording mm-hmm. the calls. I know there's like analytics and, and insights. I sadly, I've, I don't think I've ever looked at Chorus's interface. We had it at Medallion. We never deployed it, which was a, a complete shame. And I won't go down a rabbit hole as to why that was, but I really wanted it. We had, we owned it. We had signed a, a you know, a deal and, and had, had access to it, but never rolled it out to, to the team. At least when I was there, maybe they've rolled it out now. Uh, so I always wanted to see it and I always wanted to see it in action. So I'm, I'm pushing here to get that at some point because for now, all I can do is just zoom calls and then try to take notes as best as I can. And I'm, I'm a big believer in note taking. It's not a skill that I thought was important a few years ago. And I've been called out before by some of my leadership, like, Why, where's your notepad, dude? And at the time I pushed back and said, I don't need a notepad. I got like a photographic memory. I, I got this. <laughs> and then I had a really fantastic sales leader sit down and say, look, you and me are going to come up with a way that you're going to take notes in a way that's going to help you do better deals. And he sat down, shout out to Zambito, uh, who I hope to have on the podcast sometime, but he sat down and was like, look, you got to have a formula. There's like certain things you've got to walk away from every call with data points. And these are going to help you in your follow-ups. This is why you're, you know, you're doing demos, you're doing discovery calls, and then you're reaching out as a follow-up and people aren't getting back to you. You're losing people after those first couple of interactions and you're not, you know, you're not bringing anything meaningful to the follow-up and people are going dark on you. That's, that's your problem is you, you don't have enough data to send back their way. You don't, you didn't showcase that you understood what their actual challenges were. So I'm a huge fan of note-taking. So I am curious on the topic of chorus, what, what kind of things are in place or what kind of features are in place to help reps with easier note-taking or does it just eliminate note-taking altogether? I mean, really the transcript is phenomenal, um, especially we have this voice setting. So if, you know, like, cause obviously everyone talks different and you can put that into, you know, it's, like learns you over time as well, which is even better. So it, the, the couple of things that it does that's really great is obviously it's taking the notes for you. So I do notice I don't use my notepad as much. Now I will write a couple of things, like if we're doing a demo and they're saying this is important, this is important, because I just don't want to forget that on the sake of the demo, because we're you know yeah. flowing pretty fast here. But one thing I really like about it is it bubbles up all my next steps. There was now... I was doing smaller deals just for my onboarding and my training. And now I'm to the bigger deals because I've transitioned because I ramped up within a month and they're like, you're good to go. And my bigger deals, like to your point, there's many calls, Mm -hmm. there's many stakeholders and it's so critical to have a system. Just tell me like, Hey, these are your next steps. I'm almost sent an email and then I went back and clicked on my next steps because ours is very, um, a lot different from our competitors. Like it'll show things like I'll send this over. It doesn't just do like a time. And I missed a critical thing that they had asked me for. And before I sent the email by looking back, I was like, oh shoot, they want to see the customer success PDF. And I didn't attach that. So those are things that of course is really great for. Um, the tactic I wrote in the blog post as a tip from a rep that uses conversation intelligence 
as well as just to reps out there, especially if you are having multiple calls, but this can pertain to anybody with a shorter sales cycle to a longer sales cycle. Have your calls and go and quickly listen and digest them with your comments. And then I will like take my boss if I'm like, hey, help me here, help me here. So in the beginning, you're building those really good sales muscles. And that's something I felt like I've might've lacked before, just not knowing what type of muscles I should be working when it comes to the sales motions. Cause maybe I didn't have the best leadership before. Cause I really didn't see myself being beyond successful, like feeling like I'm, you know, every day I'm doing a great job. And so really, to be honest, outreach, like I felt like I had really great training there. Like I really understood what a sales process was. There's a lot of amazing leaders over there still is. Yeah. And so for me, like creating those good habits, like I walked into the course job, like I, every time I listen to a call, I'm going to quickly digest. And what's great about that is now I'm coming up on the fourth call of a deal. And all I do is just quickly, quick in, click in course and I can see all my notes and, you know, I, maybe I listen to a couple again so you can know what to say, but it definitely yeah. makes as a rep. I mean, my one-on-ones with my boss have gone down to 10 minutes when usually those are 40. Damn, Um, which is crazy, right? Because I'm, I'm doing, but what I tell people is you got to do that sales motion. You got to be taking your boss. And that's why we don't need it because I'm already telling him like, Hey, I need support here. I need support here. So then we get to the one-on-one. We don't really need to like talk too much because he already knows what's going on. Right. He can just go into chorus and he's really good at efficiency as well. He's always been that way. He was that way at outreach. He's this way at chorus. So for him, yes, it helps him as a leader. He can just go in and be like, let me listen to this call. Was this really a good call? And I just think that it's a great product to like take out the guesswork of like what the essence of the conversation is. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm saying, I don't think this person's a champion, you have to call to show the proof. You know, it's like this person, see, I don't pick up that they're my champion. That's really cool. Oh man, we really need to get it. I need to get my hands on this. You do. I want to figure out who your rep is. (laughs) Yeah, please do. Uh, And and send them them my way too. I'll help like champion uh, because I I would love to have a tool like this. I think it would help me level up in in a big way you know, I've, I've come a long way in the last year, but I still feel like I have so far to go in terms of polish and strategy and being able to be effective and really bring a hundred percent, like not a hundred percent focus. Cause I'm always a hundred percent focus, but, but just being able to bring the, you know, just, just being able to bring my best game to every deal cycle. Yep. Uh, you, and that's what we do. That's where we'll call. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you kind of reminded me when you were talking about tool, you know, you've, you've talked about tools like chorus and outreach, those two specifically, I always, I'm a big believer that if you're, if you're starting out in, in SaaS selling right now, you should learn those two tools mm-hmm. and there's probably a handful of others and, and uh, you know, reach out if you want to know what those might be. But I think if you learn how, like at this point, your resume should have outreach and chorus on it most likely. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you can sort of, you can sort of build your career on being able to use those tools and being a power user of those tools. I can personally say that we have a really long history, both, both Amanda and I have a really long history with outreach because we were some of the beta users of outreach. We were, that's MarageQ. We were, we were, because yeah, Mark sold to us in the very beginning and we were like, I think for quite a few features too, that they had us do like beta testing because we were a small startup. Uh, Yeah. I mean that outreach, 
uh, I'm like obsessed with it as an AE. And yep. I even have a training of how I align better with my BDR. Like, honestly, Jesse, I don't know what I would do without outreach and course. Like I would, like, I think about my previous organization I was at and they used our competitor, but I could not see anybody's calls. Don't ask me why I would set up that way. My boss, I think he sometimes will listen to the calls, but they would have us do these early deal review meetings. And then yeah. we would sit here and talk about all the areas where the deal could go wrong, which is like a common deal review tactic, by mm -hmm. the way, for those that are in strategic sales. But all I could think about when I was in course and all these like little nuggets of information that proactively bubble up for you, that makes it a really powerful solution to a rep and to a leader. I was like, my gosh, if they had like a course, <laughs> they could, I could just link all the calls and they would hear the whole essence of the conversation and any doubts I had, because they used to not believe my doubts. I would say, I don't think that this is where this is. And they would be like, no, it's here. And I wish I had, you know, yeah. proof in the pudding, right? Like check out this call. Um, so I highly recommend it. And also to your point, this is such a perfect solution. It's going to really help you build a skill set in development. And I love how I can just take my dogs for a walk and listen to a call from a top rep. There's, you know, the, oh, that's the, cool. the woman on my team that I told you about that I've been listening to all our calls. I, that's, that's all I do. I'll just go in, look her up. I hadn't even, I hadn't even thought of that as a use case, but you can go and listen to other top reps Mm -hmm. Awesome. I do it all the time, every day. Calls. Washing dishes. I wow. put in the, the AirPods and I put in the app. And for the record, Jesse, we just came out for Android if people are Android users. So Sweet. not only is the app on Apple, but it's also an Android. And so we we really are going fast with this product. And I can't say what's up ahead because obviously this is a podcast, but <laughs> There's some Ella, pretty just amazing things. <laughs> Don't violate any, uh, you know, NDAs no. or uh, what's the, you know, yeah. don't, don't violate any legal paperwork here on the show. No. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think back when we started out with outreach, I just couldn't have imagined that it was going to be such a great investment. Like, I, I don't think I fully wrapped my head around how valuable knowing outreach was going to be later on. And I'm, I'd imagine chorus is in the same camp where, you know, you guys are a little bit newer than outreach, but I think in a few years we'll look back and it'll be like, oh, people are putting outreach chorus on their resume. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason that they're getting the job that they're getting is because they have this, you know, they're, they're a power user or they're, they're completely Which fluent in tools efficient. like that. Yeah. It means they're efficient. Means they'll you know perform, you, make you money. You, totally. Totally. So it's, yeah, it's super exciting. Um, we're, we're coming up on an hour here, but I did want to ask you maybe one last thing before we wrap up and unless you want to keep going, <laughs> we're good. but I know you're super busy and you've got, uh, you know, deals to close and things like that. But one of the things that I've always really admired about you is your financial motivation. And I know sales isn't just about money, uh, especially when you get to like the strategic and enterprise realm, it's not just about making money, although you can make fantastic money in this space. Um, but I do think we're all a little bit driven by, uh, the opportunity to earn. So what, yeah, one of the things that's, that I've really admired about you is just, uh, the, the goals that you've set for yourself in terms of your financial freedom and things like that. So I'd love to wrap on, you know, wrap up on that note. Tell us a little bit about how you think about approaching financial goals. If you care to share some of your specific financial goals, I'd love to hear them. Uh, and I think the listeners would love to hear that as well. But uh, yeah, tell us about financial freedom and some of those things. 
Yeah, so that's a big reason I'm personally in sales. Um, you know, even as a, a little kid, I always wanted to do really well, um, especially financially, because I know that it opens doors of other things that you can get excited about, like traveling or if you, you know, houses or whatever you're into. Yeah. Uh, for me, you know, I'm a huge, huge supporter of Dave Ramsey. Um, they actually were one of my outreach customers that I sold. And so that was just a very passionate sell. Aren't they Mine called, only. are they, are they called like Ramsey Lampo? solutions? Oh, Ramsey. Yeah. Okay. okay, cool. Sorry. I, I, I prospected so into huge, them once. Oh, did you? They yeah. have like, I think over 12 sales teams now, cause they have all those different personalities and all that. Damn. I'm just a huge supporter of that company because again, he, like that business, he started in a car, like on a cardboard table and he has a whole book about it. And I just look up to that because I think of even my own sales career like that. I started yeah. at the very bottom and then I worked my way up, but I had goals in mind. I always knew that I wanted to make good money for myself and have financial freedom. Uh, right now, my husband and I, uh, we do own two homes. We have a home here in Austin and then we also have a lake house outside of Dallas area. Um, it's right next yeah. to my family actually. And our, our financial goal right now, and we should have it done in two years is pay off that lake house. And then we're going to build our dream house on it with an in-ground pool and a little pool house and a really nice privacy fence, like the whole shebang. And, and when I'm working, you know, obviously when I, when I was laid off because of COVID, I always thought of my three must-haves when it comes to a career. And that is I'm looking for a phenomenal product, a phenomenal process and phenomenal leadership. If a company doesn't have those three things, I'm telling you sales rep to sales rep, you're not going to succeed because I've been at companies where it lacked on the leadership or lacked mm -hmm. on the product. And then your passion isn't really behind that because here's the thing. If you have a great product, great leadership, the process just happens, right? Cause you just, all I tell them is like, Hey, go buy outreach, like, and you'll be fine. Like, and you know, you could do your prospecting and everything through it. Yeah. You just, you're not going to feel excited to go to your day to day. And that is why during COVID, I waited for course because it had the three things. I knew Dan mm -hmm. personally. I know who I knew exactly who Jim was. I saw like everything that he's done in his past. And then of course I knew they had a good process because it was led by great leadership and I've used the product. So I knew that it was growing and great and phenomenal and helping. So and with that, you know, when you have those three things, I'm gonna do well and therefore meet my goals. Uh, so I think you have to have a goal. Uh, to especially in sales, like you have your commission goals, obviously, like you need to make your number, but there needs to be a reason why. You know how we ask customers, like, why, why? Like, my why is I want to have a paid off like house and build that darn dream house. Like, that is like my why, like, why I want to like continue to make good money and, and do really well. Thanks so much for sharing that. That's really, that's really awesome. I love hearing about other people's financial goals. I've obviously got a ton of them myself. Uh, and I do think you, to your point, you've got to have a driver like that. If you're going to hit number consistently, if you're going to stay the course, otherwise this is a hard business. This will burn you out. It really oh, will. It's a hard job. It is not <laughs> for everybody. And people ask that. I'm sure they ask yeah. that to you, Jesse. Like, oh, totally. why are you guys in sales? Like, it's so hard. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, look, 
that hard process is gone now. Like I, yep. it is just the norm. I am so used to rejection. Maybe that's why I was so good when I was single. <laughs> like I was so <laughs> used to rejection. I'm like, I don't care if a guy declines me. Like I got it's, this. Like I get declined every day. <laughs> it's a numbers game. You just got to build a big enough pipeline and eventually you'll find the right exactly, one. And then, right? and then you and know, have some criteria <laughs> and, and hone it in. Yeah, totally. So I think you got to have, yeah, I think you got to have a big lofty financial goal, whether that's, you know, real estate, what's your, you know, like, like you said, real estate, travel, uh, investing, building a company, whatever that is. And then I also think you got to have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. And I think we, you and I both have that, which is like, look, we're going to prove it. Mm-hmm. Maybe we came from, uh, you know, more humble means and there's this chip on the shoulder to, to prove that we can do whatever we want to do and we can achieve the goals we want to, we want to achieve and we can make the kind of money we want to make. So appreciate you sharing that. And I think that's a perfect way to finish the episode today. Oh, 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 oh,